I haven't been sleeping well lately. Seven. Six. Are you getting outside at all? Four. I think I'm good here. It's not healthy. Two. Calling up like that. Just doing my video stuff. Feel free to like or subscribe. This has been Ken Barber's Lawn Life Tips. Ken Barber's Management Tips. Ken Barber's Divorce Dad Tips. Hello? Who is it? Some folks have commented that maybe my apartment is haunted. Uh, you should for sure keep investigating. Are there any weird blood stains on the floor? Like blood curdling screams in the hallway? Yeah, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but the only weird screams are mine. People are leaving comments saying it's all just a big hoax. It looks like I'm hiding something. You did have a nervous breakdown. Something happened. When did you start drinking again? It's really happening. Fine. None of it is fake. Four, three, two, one. That made me have the most horrifying nightmares. It was great. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike. Joining me, as always, it's Mr. Venom. What is up, Venom? Greetings and salutations, agoraphobes. I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How the hell are you? I am doing well. We are getting ready for one of those mass spring cleanings here. Um, I assume... uh, Actually, you know, it might not be the same for you guys, but in my city, they offer i think twice a year like a free curbside pickup of like any junk you would want to put down there so oh. it's about that time to start clearing out the garage so nice i got that to look forward to <laughs> la um, la just has like an 800 number that you call it's it's still free you just gotta you gotta tell them that you're leaving it outside your house and then the next morning they just pick it up it's kind of nice oh uh, that's cool yeah ours it like you you set it up online and then it coincides with like whatever, uh, like the regular garbage day is they schedule it for that. Nice. Uh, but it seems like very similar. Um, all right. And then also joining us, it's Don. Um, how does your curbside pickup work, Don? Yeah. Um, pretty good. Um, it's if actually kind of it at all. Yeah, no, we're, um, we're just like Venoms. Um, you have to do, um, for us, we have to do like at least a 24 hour notice about what's what you have what you're leaving out but um yeah if if you do that they'll they'll take it with the regular trash so yeah um we're we're pretty similar yeah Um, yeah as long as you're as long as you give like 24 hour notice they'll they'll go ahead and do it um if you just leave it out there then yeah they're not going to do anything but (laughs) No. Yeah, if you, if you give them 24 hour notice, then yeah, they'll they'll usually take it. Um, of course, it would also depend on what you're leaving out there, but yeah, nine times out of ten, 24 hour notice, it's gone. Woo! So yeah, um, LA for the yeah. win, I guess. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yours is like even more friendly the way that way it works, but. Uh, Speaking of garbage, no, I don't know. Well, I guess, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I thought I was the king of, of segways. <laughs> so another week went by. Um, technically, there was a limited release theatrical movie. 
I actually did see it called You Are Not Alone, but due to limited availability, I just said, you know what, let's not try to like force everyone to see a hard, you know, a harder to obtain movie. I, I assume Venom would have it screening somewhere down there yeah. just because of where he lives. Multiple places, um, yep. Yeah, it was pretty much art house theater for me up here. Um, yeah, yeah. Same so here, but we just have a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I just I just uh, notated it for No More Room in Hell. I'll bring it up then. And uh, so with that said, we went with uh, VOD again and uh, Shutter. They've been kind of releasing stuff weekly the last few weeks. So we went with something that was one of the latest ones, and that's called Night's End. And let's see, synopsis, an anxious shut-in moves into a haunted apartment, hiring a stranger to perform an exorcism, which quickly takes a horrific turn. I don't know about the quickly part, but but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) maybe it would have been nicer if it did happen more quickly, but uh, more on that soon. Uh, Venom, what are your general thoughts on Night's End? Um, For those who remember the movie Host that came out, uh, I think it was 2020, maybe early 2021. I can't remember off the top of my head, but 2020. 2020. Um, Obviously, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this episode have seen and probably enjoy Host. Um, It was on a lot of people's top 10 for 2020. You know, it was um, a lot of the more mainstream media outlets were calling it the best horror film of the year, blah, blah, blah. It was a, it was a fairly original concept for those who didn't see it. Basically, a bunch of friends get together to perform, uh, to, u- to use a spirit board to try to contact the dead. And, of course, shit hits the fan. So, uh, what's today's movie about? A bunch of friends get together to contact the dead and shit hits the fan. Hmm, sound familiar? Anyway, the point is, is that if you watched and enjoyed Host, I would strongly recommend you stay away from this movie. This movie is basically the uh, the 99 cent store version of Host. It is just it's not very well written, not very well performed. I will admit that I was kind of on board with it for the first act and maybe part of the second act. Um, only in the sense that it was, it was very traditional haunted house tropes, you know, a, you know, a guy moves in. The only real difference is that he's agoraphobic. He doesn't leave his apartment. He's basically a shut in as the uh, description, as the synopsis mentioned. And um, which is which I'm I'm actually OK with that part of the story. I'm OK with because you always need a reason why somebody would stay in a haunted house. And if they're agoraphobic, that's perfect. That's awesome. So I I'm actually OK with that concept. Unfortunately, in execution, it's just not a very well-made and very watchable movie. Um, As I said, I was on board for the first act and part of the second act. I thought, you know, it was a very slow burn. It's very slow paced. You're not getting a lot of, uh, you know, horror set pieces. I mean, you get one major one in the third act, but we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, So it's a very slow movie. I mean, it's an hour and 20 minutes. I mean, it's only an 80 minute movie and it still felt three hours to me because it just not a lot happens. Um, you know, you get you, you get your basic, you know, um, reveal of what's going on in the apartment or the history of the apartment, I should say, and what may may or may not have happened there in the past. You know, that all leads to a online seance, uh, if you will, where they're trying to contact the spirit. And of course, you know, it's a horror movie, so we all kind of know where it's going. It's it's going to go to a shitty place. Unfortunately, the the second, basically the whole second half of the movie, like the second half of the second act and the entire third act are just really, really bad. Um, everybody is overacting in this movie, specifically Colin. I, I guess you could call him the main antagonist of the film. 
uh, just incredibly hammy, over the top. Um, honestly, the, there are very few good performances in this movie. I mean, I, I'm okay with our main star. Um, I, I don't think he's a known guy. He plays Ken uh, Gino Walker is his name. Actually, that name does sound familiar, doesn't it? Um, okay, he's done a lot of television, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD. Uh, stuff like that. So he has done a lot of television. I still don't know why I recognize his name, but um, he actually did a pretty decent job. But everyone else in this movie, and I hate to say it, but even Michael Shannon, Michael fucking Shannon is in this movie, an Oscar nominated actor. And he's terrible. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, somebody must have, like, a sex tape of him, and, and they're bribing him to do movies because there was no reason for Michael Shannon to be in this movie. He plays a goofy character. He does it in a goofy way that doesn't make him endearing or likable in any real way. He's basically a dad telling dad jokes, and it's it's just not very compelling. The whole movie, I'm just like, what is Michael Shannon doing here? Like, literally, Somebody has to have some dirt on him or maybe Michael Shannon owed somebody some money. So he's like, oh, I'll do your movie. But yeah, um, he even gets top billing and he is not the star of this film. In fact, he's one of the least used characters in this movie. He only really appears two or three times in the movie on a computer screen, no less. So, yeah, this movie is just kind of a wreck um, for, for the majority of the film. Like I said, I was on board for the beginning. But it just kind of lost me once it started to ramp up, once all the horror set pieces started to ramp up. It just it was a lot of been there, done that. And then the third act is just such an absolute mess. The overacting, the 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 predictable ending, you know, the, the twist that we all picked out about, I don't know, a half hour into the movie is just it's not a compelling watch. It's nothing that I could possibly recommend. We were just talking before the show that it's sitting on a 3.9 on IMDb, and I personally think that's too high. I, I, I couldn't possibly give this movie more than a three, and it would really only be for the star, um, you know, who did a pretty good job. And I actually did like the character of Dark Corners. Now, he, he was a very over-the-top character, but for anybody who watches Supernatural videos on YouTube, you know those hosts do kind of ham it up. You know, did the did you see that? You know, and then something terrifying appears. You know, so I understand that that's just how they are. So that character, I don't think really was overacting. He was doing exactly what every supernatural host on uh, YouTube does. But uh, just every character in this movie is just not very likable. It's a movie I can't really recommend. Ultimately, it's not scary. Um, there are some tense moments, but th there's no payoff for any of those tense moments. And then, like I said, when, at the end of the movie, when we get, I guess, what's supposed to be our ultimate payoff, I'm just laughing and rolling my eyes at it. And just I, I couldn't believe that I actually sat here and finished it. So, yeah, Night's End does not get a high recommend from me. In fact, it doesn't get any recommend from me. So that's it for me for general. All right. Um, Don, does it get a recommend from you? Not in the slightest. Um, I'm pretty much right there with Venom, although I'm kind of the opposite. Um, I actually wasn't into the first half uh, just because it was so slow. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of found it just meandering and just going through the, the motions of just about any kind of, uh, you know, haunted house, you know, you know, or in this case, haunted apartment kind of trope. It just seemed like it was jumping the gun with, you know, his investigations into what's going on. Um, everything that was, you know, he was discovering was just way too convenient. 
a lot of it was just, you know, okay, well, we got to just hurry up and get to the point and, you know, we got to just get to these scenes and all of them were just been there, done that. I, I kind of enjoyed just, you know, the freneticness of the third act. Um, it, it kind of made it a little more enjoyable just because of how over the top and hammy it was. But yeah, yeah, um, I, I agree. There's uh, still very little to like here, um, which makes sense because this is the director of the wraparound segment of VHS 94. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I can probably tell that this is no, I I, I kind of had a feeling that this wasn't going to be very good based on that. So, yeah, I, I I'm kind of uh, I I flipped my line I flipped myself around from Venom, but um, I'm still on the same conclusion. It's just not that interesting. Um, yeah, there's very little here that's um, original. All of it um, is well, it's actually quite obvious to tell that this was shot during COVID. There's no interaction with anybody. Every Every kind of, you know conversation is done over video chat. Uh, you know every kind of effect looks cheap and chintzy. You know even the finale, as hammy and over the top as it is, just looks underwhelming and lame. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, not very impressive overall. So uh, final thoughts. Uh, let's uh, just close the night on this one. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I have not uh, many good things to say about this. Um, I I guess I kind of lean towards more Don's opinion where I thought, you know, uh, I thought the comparison to Host was pretty spot on, except I would say the third act mostly because that's kind of where most of the characters are all like on screen together. And I, you know, I, I actually I, I struggle to stay interested in to to get to the third act. Once the third act get, got there and like something was actually happening other than like oh no what fell off a shelf in the background like that kind of stuff, I was like okay it's I guess semi interesting, but it wasn't enough like to make up for the preceding what eighty minutes that got me there or seventy minutes. Um, <laughs> I agree, Michael. Uh, Michael Shannon's there just to, I guess, look, give that perfect confused look he makes in all of his movies, um, <laughs> where it's like partially pained, partially confused, yep. partially not understanding why he's in the movie, which I think the viewers also don't understand um, why or how or like how that even happened. It's like did they accidentally just show up to his house and? He's like, sure, I'll I'll be in your. <laughs> Since you're here, go ahead and film a couple scenes because I I don't I I don't uh, I, maybe he's doing charity work because it just seems like such a random person to be in this. Um, yep. And yeah, he's not he's not really in it enough to justify putting him in there in the first place. So and getting top billing, no that's crazy. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> weird. I mean, I guess. I guess that's some. I guess I see it as like a selling point. Like, hey, yeah. a horror movie with Michael Shannon. I guess I'm gonna give it a shot. But uh, yeah, it's a bunch of stuff we've already seen before. Lots of tropes. I mean, this is definitely. I I, I guess it's not like a. I guess the difference between this and something like Host, it's not 100% taking place on a screen, but for the most part, anything of importance, and I put that in quotations, happens while he's on his laptop. Um, 
you know, I, I found the one little, like, the, there's one character kind of like the, what is he, like the exorcism guy, or what, what the hell would you even call him? Colin. Um, he was uh, semi-interesting, but it, it, it was just like, it, it kind of went predictable. and The, just, the, the character was fine, but I, I, I just, I didn't like the way he, he came across. I, I I felt you know I felt like that you know every every movie when there's either exorcist stuff or demon stuff they all try to come up with like their own mythology around it and I feel like the more they tried to explain it in the movie the more they seemed confused about how anything works because like the whole thing with like oh did you put this in the jar oh but you didn't do it right okay so it let this out oh wait no actually I I after further looking into it. It's, it's just like, what? Like, do you guys even know what the hell? Like, who wrote this script? Yeah. You don't even know how this works. So how is the viewer even supposed to understand what you're talking about? Um, I, you know, I thought it was semi-okay at the end when the culmination of something shows up. I guess that was all right. But, man, they really had a lack of budget or a lack of person that knows what they're doing with, like, CGI stuff. Cause, yeah. Man, it was kind of painful. I was just like, guys, no, you shouldn't have even attempted. Like, how did you see this in the editing room? And like, all right, we got it. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is. I, I guess the only thing I take solace in is it's under ninety minutes. But Venom, I think it was Venom that said it that even though it is not long movie, it felt twice as long as it was. I mean, it's an 80-minute oh. movie that I had to watch in two sittings. Because literally 45 minutes in, it felt like I was an hour and 40 in. And I'm like, wait a minute, how long is this movie? And when I realized I was only about halfway through, I'm like, nah, I got to take a break. <laughs> so I went and watched something I enjoyed and then came back and finished it. Ugh. Yeah, what was interesting, though, is like, I, I actually thought the main guy was okay. And I thought, I thought some of the the people who played his friends and like colin and all that when they were only on the screen for a small amount of times it was like okay but the more they were on the screen just it it showed like how not good they are at this and i was just like oh no take them away like possess them or do something that takes them out of the movie because mm-hmm. the more of them we get it's just like no we don't need to see this so yeah i would say this is definitely one that you can skip i mean and I know there's the people out there that are like, you know, completists where they're like, nope, if I'm going to rank 10 at the end of the year, I want to see everything I can. So maybe that will not dissuade you. But uh, if you if you're the type of person that's like, I need to prioritize stuff that I actually think has a chance of being good. This ain't one of them. So mm-hmm. back yeah. to you, Venom. <laughs> oh, man. So how disappointing is it that we did two bad movies in a row? I don't remember and, the last time we did two bad ones in a row like this. Oh. And how unfortunate is it that this is done by Shudder? I mean, I don't know what's <laughs> oh. going on with them, but, I mean, they've had so many misses this year. I mean, the only yep. one that I can actually think that's actually was good was Hellbender. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I, mean really... I mildly enjoyed The Seed, but, I mean, I wouldn't call it a good movie. It just had moments yeah. that I enjoyed. I don't know what the hell is going on with them, but they're just flinging crap up on the screen this year. Yeah, uh, they, uh, they, it seems like they're trying to spend less money per production, so they're getting like a lot of these cheaper-looking movies. Now, obviously, Hellbender is one of those movies that maybe is a little bit cheaper-looking, but that movie was an absolute triumph. I mean, they, they, they used every penny of that budget exactly how they needed to. 
Whereas this one, I, I feel like half the budget just went to Michael Shannon. And that's why the CGI looks terrible. That's why there's, you know, very little appearances of a spirit throughout the film. I mean, we see shadows, we see silhouettes, but we don't see anything. In fact, well, I'll save that for the spoiler. But yeah, just uh, I, I I try so desperately to try to find positive things about these movies. I hate to just shit on these movies. I've said it before, I'll say it again, I hate shitting on people's art, and obviously somebody made this, somebody somewhere loves this movie, and, you know, again, I don't want to shit on their opinion necessarily, but I just found so little enjoyable about this beyond the first act, and and Don is right, the first act is in dreadfully slow, um, if you're not a fan of slow burns, uh, you, you're just, you're going to be bored really, really fast, um, like I said, I was kind of taken with the story, um, you know, the fact that this guy had agoraphobia, somehow he must have developed agoraphobia later in life because he was a divorced dad. He was married. He had kids. He had a job. I mean, he was basically your average successful human. And then, you know, out of nowhere, they kind of talk about his past and how he had a drinking problem. And, and there was something that caused him to start drinking. I Again, I don't remember the exact plot point because I don't care very much. But wasn't it the divorce? No, the divorce was later because they said they said that something happened to him in his life and that he started drinking and then he lost his job and his family. Oh, okay, I yeah, I, I wasn't really paying was. attention. So. Yeah, well, yeah, I was barely paying attention. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I said, I was mildly invested. I I like the thought of an agoraphobe, you know, not being able to leave their house, even though it's just really, really haunted. Not to say that this apartment was really, really haunted, not at all. He had a couple of, you know occurrences here and there some freaky events but nothing really major until the end of the film when you know we kind of get the reveal of what's actually going on and what one person in particular is trying to do um but it really doesn't save it it doesn't save the film at all like this this is not a reveal that is uh, worth spending the first hour with this film um you know with the slow ass pace and the you know isolated location i mean the whole movie happens in one apartment they i don't think they ever leave the apartment obviously we see people on screens in their places in their houses and their places of business and whatnot but the whole movie takes place in ken's apartment um which you know usually i'm okay with isolated location movies but you know like i said there there's so many problems with this one you know but but i'll still say kudos to gino walker for his portrayal of ken i thought he did a great job um other than that, I thought the score was actually kind of cool at first when the movie was just really, really slow, but it, it just it didn't really do anything for me in the second half. Like, I barely even noticed the score in the second half. It didn't add to any tension. Like I said, the tension, any tension that this movie has is mostly in the beginning when Ken is just trying to figure out what's happening in his apartment. After that, once we kind of figure out what's happening or at least what happened in this apartment in the past... Um, the mystery is all gone, and then there's a new kind of twist, like a new mystery of what's actually happening that gets revealed to us in the third act, which, like I said, it, 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 it's something that you see coming pretty early in the film. I mean, it, basically, we get a red herring early on, and that's it. That's the only red herring we get, and that red herring turns out to be our antagonist. So, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a weird little movie that, you know. These are the kind of movies that I usually want to champion because, you know, they're these little indie movies that, you know, have a that are slower paced. So like, you know, the, the kind of mainstream horror fans maybe wouldn't gravitate towards it. 
But yeah, despite me going in, you know, try, hoping that I would enjoy it, trying to pull out as much positives out of it as I could, I just, I, I just can't. Um, as I said, I think the 3.9 on IMDb is maybe just a touch too high even for this, despite the positives that the movie has, the few positives the movie has. So yeah, that's about it for me. That doesn't involve spoilers that I can talk about. I mean, we've already talked, you know, the effects, the, uh, you know, the basic storyline, everything else. There's not really so, a whole hell. Like I said, it's a, it's an 80 minute movie that takes place in one apartment. So not really a whole lot to discuss that doesn't involve spoilers. Any, you guys got anything else? Not really. Nope. I think you pretty much, uh, summed up or i guess we all did on general thoughts yeah exactly all right so that's your your final spoiler warning folks we're going to go ahead and talk about the movie in detail now um not that there's a whole lot of detail to go into our movie opens up with ken barber he is a youtuber who um is just you know we see him in the process of making youtube videos um the problem is is that his youtube channel is kind of unfocused uh, he does he does like long life uh, vlogs. He does uh, taxidermy vlogs. He does um, uh, management, like the very first one in the movie. He's doing like a management course. So he's basically a jack of all trades. Um, but then when he's talking to his friend one day, um, his friend Terry, uh, Terry notices that something falls behind him uh, that he, that you know Ken doesn't notice while he's recording his video. Ken goes back and checks the video and sees that, yeah, basically one of his stuffed birds fell off a shelf for no reason. Like, it, it, it doesn't look like it was teetering on the edge or anything. It definitely looks like something gently pulled it off the shelf. So from there, Terry and Ken collectively have the idea of turning the channel into a supernatural channel, ghost videos, things like that, because Terry convinces them that, you know, ghost videos are some of the most popular on YouTube. He, he, he even has an example about how one that he watched got two million views in the first day. And we're talking about Ken, who, you know, mentions that the video, his video with the most views has 10 views on it. So, yeah, that's not exactly um, a very successful YouTube channel. So obviously um, at this point, Ken starts having, you know, little issues in his house um, you know, hearing things uh, on one night, he hears knocking inside of his house, though, like not knocking at the front door, but like someone is knocking in his house. Of course, he's agoraphobic. Uh, he also lives in a duplex and the other half of the duplex is empty. So he's literally the only one in the whole place. Um, and he's the only one with a key, according to him. So, yeah, he he's he, he thinks that someone is in his apartment. Um, throughout the movie, obviously this guy suffers from anxiety because throughout the movie, we see him counting down from 10, you know, 10 to one, which is kind of a technique that, um, people with anxiety sometimes use when they feel their anxiety coming on. Um, uh, they'll close their eyes, they'll relax and then just count backwards from 10. We see him doing this throughout the entire movie. Um, one of the other things that's actually way grosser that he does is he he puts Pepto-Bismol in his morning coffee. I've never even fucking heard of that. Have you guys? Is uh, that a thing? Um, no. Well, I've, I mean, I think I've seen in other movies where, like, people might mix it in a drink. But what what's disgusting about it is – now, I haven't had Pepto-Bismol since I was, like, a kid. And so this is based off of, like, what – memories from 30 years ago i just had it last uh, from, month <laughs> uh, from what i remember it's like you take a couple spoonfuls right like that's uh, all yeah, there's like a little cup it comes with like a little cup and you you know almost like nyquil 
like a little yeah. Nike cup. Yeah, and that's and what this you're fool's supposed like to say. pouring fucking glass. I mean, I, that that was probably the scariest thing in the movie <laughs> was how much Pepto Bismol he was putting in that glass. Yeah, I mean, because the guy literally would down Pepto Bismol as soon as he woke up, and then he would go to the kitchen and take his coffee mug and pour it, fill it halfway with coffee, and then fill it the rest of the way with Pepto Bismol. And I'm like, oh. Is that really a thing? Well, Holy shit. Yeah, and I mean, if you're going to do that, because I've, I've seen movies where, like, as a joke, like, the character just straight up opens the bottle and, like, chugs some of it. So I'm like, why don't you just do that if you're going to make the ratio of coffee that little? Yeah, exactly. And it's funny, too. One thing that I actually did kind of like with that whole coffee pouring thing is how we see it change. How mm-hmm. the, basically the amount of Pepto-Bismol that he's putting in his coffee kind of syncs up with his psyche, like what's going on in the apartment. So early on in the yeah. film, he, he pours a cup that's mostly coffee with just a little bit of Pepto-Bismol in it. It almost looks like pink creamer, which is kind of weird, but yeah. And then as the movie goes along, he's putting less coffee in the cup and more Pepto-Bismol until finally the day of the ritual he literally pours a coffee cup full of Pepto-Bismol and then just puts like a little tiny little shot of coffee on top of it. And I'm just like, why even bother with the fucking coffee? Is it really yeah, going to taste? <laughs> is it going to change the taste of that terrible pink liquid? <laughs> really? No, it's not. I just, as like I said, I had it last month. As much as I can't stand the fucking taste of it, it does work. Pepto for who you know, if you guys have like chronic stomach issues, you know, you you get pain like a, a periodically. Pepto is the shit. So yeah, uh, I will I will vouch for it, but I will still say it tastes like absolute ass. Oh, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> so after um, uh, Ken and Terry decide to turn this into a uh, supernatural, you know, ghost videos channel, um, Ken starts recording more of his videos, um, talking about the the, uh, the haunting in his house, talking about. The history of the house, uh, Ken is able to find out through some research online. Of course, he does everything online. He's a shut-in. So um, he basically does a little bit of research online and realizes that the building he lives in is built in 1905. So it's a very old building. And folks, if a bu- if you live in a building that's over 100 years old, it's a goddamn guarantee somebody died in that building. So, I mean, there's not even any real purpose in uh, doing a search on the Internet. I mean, a 100-year-old building is going to guarantee to have some, someone die in it at some point, you know? So, anyway, he does his research, and he finds out that there was a girl named Roberta Wellwood who lived in that apartment, I think, sometime, like, in the 1920s. Like, it, it's a very, very old crime. And basically, she was accused of killing her father with an axe or attempting to kill her father with an axe and then committing suicide by jumping out the window. So that's the story that Ken finds online. So he thinks that this apartment is haunted um, by uh, Roberta because the father did survive the attack um, from, you know, from what Ken finds out. Dad did survive. Um, But of course, uh, Roberta committed suicide. So. He then um, buys a book uh, from an author named Colin Albertson. Uh, I think the book was called Ghosts and Their Personas. And um, he starts posting videos online referencing that book. And the author himself, Colin Albertson, actually contacts him one day and offers up his services and says, I'd like to help you. I see that I've watched your videos. I can verify their authenticity. I can definitely tell that you're not staging this and I'd like to help you. Um, this is when um, he basically creates a spirit jar, something called a spirit jar, which is something I've never even heard of. I mean, I watch supernatural movies like they're free. 
And I personally have never heard of a spirit jar, but okay. Um, and basically it's just a, a jar with some symbols um, written on it. And he goes through a procedure that he finds online, like a, a little ritual where he, you know, recites a passage, opens up the spirit jar, and then the spirit is somehow supposed to get trapped in the jar. You close the jar and you've got your spirit trapped in there. So it no longer, you know, gives you any trouble in your day-to-day -day life. Unfortunately, he ended up fucking up the ritual the first time and didn't actually get anything in the jar because as Colin explains to him, you needed to make some kind of offering to the spirit, you know, coins, herbs, hair, something along those lines um, as an offering to kind of lure the spirit into the jar. Obviously, Ken doesn't know, didn't know this and he wants to redo the ritual, but Colin is actually adamant that he doesn't want him to redo the ritual quite yet. Uh, Colin basically says, I'm going to send you my spirit jar because the one that you used has symbols that you found from multiple sources, um, or from two different sources specifically, uh, Colin's book and then a link that he had found online or uh, a link that Terry had sent him. Um, so Colin says, OK, uh, we're, we're going to need to do this again, but I want you to wait because I'm going to send you my personal spirit jar. You know, I have my own that has the symbols that we need. I'm going to send you an envelope with some items in there that we'll use as an offering. And then, you know, uh, hopefully they'll catch the spirit there. Um, at this point, we're kind of introduced to Ken's ex-wife. Uh, what is her name? Kelsey. Her name is Kelsey. And her new husband, who is named Isaac, and that's who is played by Michael Shannon. Basically, the new husband of Ken's ex-wife. Apparently... Uh, they still have a good relationship. You know, they still talk online. Obviously, um, we find out from the movie that Ken and Kelsey did actually have a couple of daughters. So they do have kids. So they're still connected in that sense. But they're really, really friendly. Like they're very they're really friendly with each other, you know, like old chums. Um, and then even Michael Shannon is like really cool with Ken and, you know, tries to give him advice and things like that. So it seems to be a really good relationship here. Of course, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Michael Shannon's character, Isaac, is a giant goofball, just constantly whipping out dad jokes. And um, it's, as Mike mentioned, some of the faces that he makes in this movie are just ridiculous, like even more than the standard Michael Shannon look like he even goes more over the top with it here. But, you know, it's kind of expected um, at this point. Um, Ken is contacted by. Um, Dark Corners. Uh, Dark Corners is actually the name of a YouTube channel on YouTube, but it's also the name of the proprietor of that channel. So he actually calls himself Dark Corners. This is the guy that I said he's a little over the top hammy. But if any of you have watched ghost videos online, you know, recurring videos from like the same YouTube channel, you know that those hosts will kind of ham it up in those videos. So this is why I was saying I didn't mind Dark Corner's character too much because it made sense. It was very realistic and organic. Um, um, basically, Dark Corner's offers to do a live ritual um, on the on the YouTube channel. And uh, Ken, for some reason, agrees, uh, you know, and he ends up getting Colin's spirit jar and the envelope of items in the mail just before um, the day of the ritual. Um, there's a note inside that says, do not open this until we are about to do the ritual, blah, blah, blah. And then comes the night of the ritual. And on this night, um, basically Dark Corners gets everybody together that's already been in the movie. He gets Terry, he gets Kelsey, Isaac, 
um, Colin and Ken. And then there's one extra guest. His name is Lyndon Knight. Um, Lyndon Knight is uh, played by Theo Germain, who's a non-binary actor. Um, he, he, in this movie, he is very non-binary. Like at first I didn't, you know, I, I hate to sound ignorant. I hate to sound like that crotchety old man, but yeah, I had no idea if that was male or female at first. Um, even Lyndon seems like it could be kind of a unisex name, but you know, whatever. But I actually did research the actor and the actor uh, is non-binary. They use the they, them pronouns. So the character they play is basically, you know, themselves. So, so we've got our assemble, you know, we've got all our parts assembled. Um, and just like in host, they get together to do this spirit ritual. Um, obviously, you know, and throughout the film, we see Colin kind of, you know, make certain statements or, you know, make certain looks into the camera that makes him seem like a red herring, like he's maybe um, more aware of what's going on than he's actually implying. Uh, we'll find out a little bit more about that as we go. So, like I said, it's the night of the ritual. And um, basically, Ken opens up the spirit jar that was sent to him by Colin. And live on YouTube, he opens up the envelope of items that he was sent. Uh, basically, he was sent a piece of broken mirror. Um, I can't remember every single item, but the one item that is kind of like the horrific part of this whole thing is there is a human thumb uh, in the envelope of items that he's supposed to use as an offering for the spirit. And then Colin puts his hand up on the camera and says, my thumb. Yes, Colin cut off his own thumb and sent it to Ken to perform this ritual. Like, obviously, at this point, we know this is not normal. This, this, uh, there's obviously something going on. We get multiple hints throughout the film that Colin maybe isn't exactly what he seems um, at one point, Dark Corners asks him, you know, you've been gone from the scene for so long. Where have you been? And he kind of just gives like a cryptic answer about some, you know, legal issues that he has, but doesn't actually give like a good answer. Um, at one point, he talks about the research that he did into the apartment and says that he found additional information that other people didn't know about that the general public doesn't know about. What Colin claims to have found was that um Yvonne Wellwood, who was Roberta's mother, five years after Roberta, you know, supposedly attacked her father and committed suicide, she basically admitted that she attacked her husband with an axe, but didn't want to, you know, obviously didn't want to have to deal with the repercussions. So she actually pushed her daughter out the window um, and then told the police that she attacked the husband and uh, then committed suicide. Now, they tell us that the husband survived this, so I don't know why it took five years for anyone to find out that she attacked her husband. Like, wouldn't the husband, like, wake up? Unless the husband was, like, in a five-year coma that we don't know about, there's no reason that he wouldn't have woken up the next day after the attack and flat out just said, no, it was my wife. It absolutely was not my daughter. But, again, it's a dangling plot point that's just kind of left hanging, so... You know, I'll leave it alone. It's one of many plot points that don't make sense about this movie. And I've skipped a bunch already. So I'm trying to save you guys the trouble. Uh, the spirit, uh, the ritual begins. Um, he puts, uh, like I said, Ken puts all the items in the spirit jar. He opens another envelope that has uh, uh, two parts of an incantation that he and Colin have to speak at the exact same time. Uh, they go ahead and do this. They they speak the first part of the incantation together. Uh, the lights go out in Ken's apartment. He's obviously a little scared, but after a couple of minutes, the lights come back on. Uh, 
At that point, Colin lets Ken know, okay, now we're going to do the second part of the incantation. Uh, They read the second part of it, and again, after they're done reading the second part, once again, the lights go out at Ken's house. We see, like, the the internet connection on the video kind of glitch out every now and again, mostly at Ken's place, but we're also seeing it at all the other apartments, which was actually kind of bothering me at first, but now, but once the movie is over, it does kind of make sense why that's happening. Um, so basically, like I said, after they read that second passage, all the lights go out, we hear a ruckus in Ken's apartment, but we don't really see anything because all the lights are out. Uh, then the lights come back on and Ken is basically cowering in the corner of his bedroom and the bedroom is demolished. Like everything that he had in there is all thrown to the ground. It's all of his stuffed birds are all over the floor, blah, blah, blah. But Ken is basically speechless, like he's terrified, you know, beyond words. And he's just kind of cowering in the corner. And then suddenly what happens is all of the other people that are on the call, suddenly they start to see things in their apartment. They, they all see this bright yellow glow um, behind the screen. So obviously we're looking at the people as the yellow glow kind of makes itself present and, you know, shines on their face. Slowly, they all, you know, basically scream when they see whatever it is that they see. Obviously, we don't see it at this point. Uh, They all scream. And then suddenly all of them at the same time stop screaming. And now all of their eyes are glowing bright yellow, like a very bright yellow, almost like the sun, like a bright ass yellow light coming out of both their eyes. And they're all bleeding out of the mouth. And they're all standing still. They're all just kind of staring at the screen, motionless with these bright yellow eyes and, you know, blood pouring, not pouring, but trickling out of their mouths. And then suddenly we hear a knock on Ken's door. Ken obviously is still cowering in the corner. Um, he sees the axe on the floor. <laughs> Why the axe is there? Again, uh, another one of these stupid plot points. Uh, apparently, Roberta or or Yvonne, somebody attacked their husband with an axe and then left the axe in the apartment. And apparently it's still fucking there. So I don't know. I, I guess the point is that they're they're trying to say that Roberta and or Yvonne brought it back from them from the spirit world and somehow it materialized. And there it is in his apartment. But, you know, whatever. I'll get past this. Um, suddenly his front door, um, opens, something smashes his front door open. He grabs the ax off the floor. And then slowly we see something demonic entering his apartment. We see, first we see the hands kind of come around the corner as we've seen multiple times in horror films. And then finally we see the thing walk into his house. It's, it's still a humanoid looking creature, but it's very demonic. Its skin is all burned. It's got one horn, which I actually kind of thought was cool at first. Cause you know, obviously we always expect demons to have two horns, but this one only had one. Um, he had the same glowing yellow eyes that everyone else on the YouTube call has. And basically he walks into Ken's apartment, uh, very obviously looking for Ken Ken is able to hide from the spirit. I mean, how that's a possibility, I don't know, but whatever. He's able to hide from it long enough that the that the demon walks past him and he is then able to get out of his apartment. But remember, he's agoraphobic. So he does have that moment at the front door where he's kind of making the decision, you know, go outside or deal with this demon, go outside or deal with this demon. And he does finally make the decision to go outside Um, he thinks he may have gotten away from the demon, but what ends up happening is the yellow glow that's now coming out of the windows of Ken's house 
we start to see spread throughout the neighborhood. So first the houses next to him start to glow. The, the bright yellow glow comes out of their front windows. Then the next pair of houses, then the next pair of houses until basically his entire street is glowing yellow. And the movie ends with him just kind of cowering in his front lawn um, you know, he's not running away. As I said, he's agoraphobic. The, the mere fact that he got out of his house is probably a minor miracle for him. But yeah, basically the movie just ends with this yellow glow spreading throughout the neighborhood and Ken just kind of kneeling on the ground, you know, almost in tears. I don't think, I mean, he might've been, but I mean, I, I don't think he was physically crying or anything. And then fade to black. And that's our movie folks. Yeah. Like I said, not really a whole lot going on, not very eventful, some of the effects in the third act are, I mean, there's, they're, they're kind of cheesy, but they're also at the same time, you know, anybody who knows me knows I like, you know, sci-fi originals and cheesy horror movies. So it did kind of work for me a little bit, but just the whole thing as a package just is a giant failure for me. Um, it's not scary. It's not intriguing. Um, it's only mildly tense. And that's really only in the opening few scenes of the film. Once we kind of get the, uh, reveal of what happened in that apartment nothing that really happens after that is all that terrifying by any stretch and uh yeah so i mean at least it's a short movie i mean that's always a nice saving grace for these movies that are maybe a little underwhelming that i didn't have to spend two hours of my life with it um and yeah i'm not i'm not even sure what else to say about this thing i'm trying really hard not to call it a piece of shit because i hate that i hate when podcasters you know, uh, kind of disparage the movies that they're reviewing, but I, I'm just trying to find positives in this film. And honestly, the only positives for me are, uh, um, excuse me, uh, Gino Walker's portrayal of Ken, um, some parts of the score at the beginning, and then the basic story of him, you know, actually being agoraphobic and not being able to leave his house. Like those are really the only things that I kind of enjoyed about the film. Bits and pieces of the third act as over the top and silly as it is are, mildly cool like when we first see the people with their glowing yellow eyes bleeding from the mouth that's it's kind of unnerving at first but it, it gets kind of silly after a while and then once the demon shows up at ken's house he's just so silly looking that it's it's hard to take him really seriously but yeah i mean there you go i'm not sure what else i could really say about this movie I, I can't give it any kind of recommend, you know, if you're a supernatural horror fan, if you're a social media horror movie fan, you know, like uh, Dark Web and, and Host and stuff like that. I mean, I, I still can't recommend it. I just I, I can't think of any the audience for this movie. Obviously, like as we mentioned, it has a 3.9 on IMDb. That's with what, 244 reviews. So I'm sure there's going to be some reviews in there that are mildly positive there's you know every bad movie gets the occasional positive review so yeah that's pretty much it for night's end folks i i don't really have anything more to say uh the only thing the last thing i'll say is that the movie poster is cooler than anything in the movie <laughs> yeah i i don't know much there's nothing else i can say about this yeah mike what do you think make up um i think it's podcasts and that's oh, God, is our night ending now? Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah. This, is, this is bad. I mean, this is, as Don mentioned, 2022 is not looking up for Shudder. Um, I mean, I, it's only April. It's only the beginning of April. So we're only three months into the year. But most years on Shudder, three months into the year, there's at least a few entries. 
that we think are pretty good. You know, they may not be top 10 candidates uh, for the end of the year, but at least they're watchable, enjoyable. And as Don mentioned, ultimately, Hellbender is the only quote unquote good movie, <laughs> new movie anyway, that Shudder's kind of given us this year. They've had a couple of others that, you know, were mildly enjoyable, like The Seed. You know, Mike and I both mildly enjoyed The Seed. It did have its issues, but, you know, elements of it were really fun. Yeah, and that it wasn't on the show, but I I kind of halfway enjoyed uh, They Live in the Gray. Oh, um, yeah. I, I still haven't gotten to Seed yet. Um they live in the gray is okay. I I, I will say it, it's okay. I I probably give it maybe a five or a six, but it's way too long and it's way too familiar. It's another one of those tragedy, you know, family trauma tragedies that you know seems to be all the rage these days. When it when it delves into the horror stuff in the third act, it's not bad, but mm-hmm. it's a two hour film that didn't need to be because mm-hmm. it's burdened by too much you know family trauma stuff. It, it's kind of it's a supernatural take like antlers so yeah it it's okay and i mean i'm trying to you know be as polite as i can about it i'm saying it's okay but uh, it's not something that i would really say is like a definite must watch much like hellbender is a must watch i i thought that one was you know just Mm -hmm. awesome but yep yeah, um, I, those to me are the top three. Would be Hellbender, They Live in the Gray, and then um, what was that other? Oh, um, See for Me, which that one. It's oh, the first coming, one. Yeah. yeah, well, See for Me is coming soon. It's dropping officially on Shutter later this month, even though we covered it for the VOD release. But it's officially coming to Shutter as a premiere. But mm-hmm. I mean, that one's not even a real horror film, so. Yeah. It's not a bad movie, but it's definitely not. Yeah, a that, I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, I I, I liked it, but its main issue is that it's not a horror film. So Exactly, yeah. The whole yeah. thing with the app in that movie I thought was pretty original. Um, I'm not sure if that actually exists. I'm sure there, I'm sure it does. I'm sure there's apps yeah. for the blind out there. But that I thought that was cool and original, you know, incorporating that into a home invasion movie, unfortunately. You know, it is literally just a home invasion movie. You know, these aren't serial killers. These aren't slashers. They're literally robbers. They just want to rob the house. They have no intention of killing this woman until the very end when she makes it obvious that she's not going to play along with them. But, yeah, we've already talked about that one. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Right, yeah. <laughs> trying, to find, uh, trying to get some kind of uh, positive conversation out of this. Oh, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I mean, Night's End isn't the worst thing I've ever seen. It's not the worst yeah. thing I've seen this year either. So, it's yeah. just it's unfortunate. It's really dull. It's it's got a lot of been there, done that. It's very tropey. Most of the performances are not watchable. And for an Oscar nominated actor to be in this and give us just this terrible performance, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't bode well for this film and definitely not for this director. So hopefully yeah. they, uh, you know, hopefully they bounce back with their next effort. And yeah. they're if you want to give them a third ever, because this is the third, the second one in a row that hasn't been that good. Cause this is the one that did the wraparound for VHS 94. So. Right. Right. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the worst part of VHS 94. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll, we'll bounce back next week with a better movie to uh, talk about. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> ah, fuck ah. It. Let's just review the return of the living dead and say it's a new movie. I'm in. <laughs> it's new to me. I haven't seen the 4k. Oh, there we go. Hey, Alligator just came out with a 4K. We can review that. Oh, wait, we already did that. Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can do dog, we can All right, Mike, get us, get, us, get us out of here. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, Venom. What do you have to tell people that you have guested on, if anything? Um, well, I I just did my guest spot on Cut to the Chase last night, where we looked at the Nolan trilogy. Um, for fans of Cut to the Chase and or the Nolan trilogy, you are in for a very long night. Uh, we ended up recording almost seven hours. The fucking the Nolan trilogy doesn't even take seven hours to watch, but yeah, we ended up talking that long about it. Um, was that cut? So, was that cut to the chase or twenty two shots? No, yeah, cut to the chase, man. Lacey and Dan <laughs> were both. They just kind of, they wanted to keep talking, keep talking, keep talking, keep talking. So you know, I'm gonna oblige them. I don't mind. So, like, I, I've never had a, I've I've never had a chance to review a Batman movie, so it was nice to get to review some of the best Batman movies ever. So. It was fun. Uh, I'm not sure when that's going to get released because, like I said, it is so long. Dan definitely has a big editing job in front of him. So maybe later this week, maybe next week. We'll have to see. But, yeah, that'll be cut to the chase, um, reviewing the Nolan Batman trilogy. And Creature Comforts Episode 7 has been uploaded. I don't think it's quite available yet, but I would imagine by tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, um, it will be available. I, I would imagine as you listen to this episode, Creature Comforts will also be available on your No More Room in Hell feed. So check that out. And um, yeah, the main show will be recording this weekend, actually, where we're going to be looking at um, what was it? Rituals and uh, Just Before Dawn. Those are Mike's picks. Um, I'm actually looking forward to those picks. Um, if you listen to the main show, you know Derek and I sometimes have some fun with Mike's picks, if you will. But uh, yeah, these two sound pretty solid. Um, obviously, I've seen Just Before Dawn, but Rituals is going to be a first-time watch for me. So I'm looking forward to that one. I like Deliverance-style movies. So hopefully, uh, if it's as good or better than Just Before Dawn, it should turn into a pretty good episode. And then later this week, I do have a guest spot on Bo Ransdell's The Dark Parade, where we'll be looking at 1981's Hell Night with the, the, the first horror crush of my life, Miss Linda Blair. Yes, as a, as a seven-year-old watching The Exorcist, I fell in love with 13-year-old Linda Blair. What can I say? And that love has never gone away. To this day, I still fucking adore her, so... Uh, that'll be a fun episode. Um, definitely, I can't imagine we're going to get too deep on on that one it's hell night it's it's a fucking slasher movie but so it'll be fun to finally have a little fun with Bo as opposed to you know delving deep and movies like psycho and psycho 2 and let the right one in like this is the first quote-unquote fun movie i'm gonna get to do with Bo, so that should be a good episode i, I can't imagine when that's gonna get released Bo tends to stockpile his episodes and release them as needed so you know who knows but and that of course will be available on the legion podcast network as opposed to all of our shows that can be found on the Dark Discussions podcast network. And that's it for me, Mike. All right, Don, how about you? Okay, um, as mentioned, Creature Comforts, uh, you know, I'm hoping that'll be available by the time you hear this. So uh, go ahead and give that one a listen. That one was a lot of fun. Um, my uh, impromptu guest spots on... Um, my friend's uh, YouTube channel, uh, my first horror film, is uh, still available. Uh, should be available on the Sledgehammer Horror uh, YouTube channel, uh, so go ahead and check that mm -hmm. out. And uh, the latest episode of my show, um, I, I kind of ran into a little issue with when I did this, just because it wasn't a feature-length conversation like I originally hoped, um, so I had to do a... a I, I had to uh, tack on a little extra um, audio interview on there. Um, it 
was a conversation on um, top 10 1980s vampire films. Ooh. So, yeah, um, well, the original conversation was only like 25 minutes long. So um, I had to tack on a audio interview that I did a, a couple weeks um, ago for a, a friend of mine. She wanted to do a... Yeah, she wanted to do an interview, um, get her name out there, sort of, uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, it's an effects artist in England by the name of Tracy Jane. Uh, she's done uh, – she's just starting to break into the industry over there in England. Uh, she's done a couple films that are shooting now or post-production, I think. Um, so there's there's a, there's a few films she's done. So she's uh, trying to get her name out into the industry, so – I recorded an interview with her and I didn't know what to do with it. So I figured, you know, I, I realized when I was editing this episode that it was only 25 minutes long. So might as well add that one to it to, you know, beef it up a little and give you guys some extra stuff to enjoy. So, um, yeah, I ended up and I put that together as like a double header kind of a thing. So uh, that's uh, my latest episode, uh, the Horror Countdown podcast. You you should be able to find it uh, pretty much everywhere. So uh, still waiting on a couple of other guest spots to uh, come, but uh, on that, not much. All right. Um, as far as I go, still just uh, the two shows for me. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, Venom already mentioned No More Roman Hell coming up soon and as far as fresh cuts goes i don't think there's anything hitting theaters this week is there no nothing until the 22nd for theaters yeah i'll, oh, I'll be taking my kids to see sonic 2 but that's not uh, horror so <laughs> well it might be horrible so it might fit yeah it's possible i mean well the, the first, first one is actually, actually good so yeah, yeah i mean but you never know. It's like, did they rush out a second one just to get it out? Who knows? I'll find out soon, though. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll probably look around. VOD, plenty of stuff there. We'll figure it out. Um, but, yeah, that said, that's going to wrap up this episode of Fresh Cuts. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back in a week's time with another episode. Until then, let's say bye to the listeners. Adios, folks. Later. Peace.